I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. On this episode of Newt's World, is the Bible, the most influential book in world history, still relevant today? My guest today believes it remains profoundly relevant, both to the great issues of our day and to each individual life. Dennis Prager is the author of the Rational Bible series, and his latest edition explains the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. He's joining me today to explain how the text relates to the contemporary world, and I must say, Every time I have a conversation with Dennis, I feel like I'm learning so much. He is such a remarkably knowledgeable person. He is the founder of Prager University, the author of nine best-selling books on politics, religion, and happiness. Tens of millions of people watch his videos, and millions more listen daily to his nationally broadcast radio show. And with his knowledge of biblical Hebrew, he has taught the Bible to people of every background for 40 years. Dennis, welcome and thank you for joining me again on Newt's World. It's an honor to be with you and it's a delight. Thank you for that. This year marked your 40th year as a talk show host. What have you learned over the last 40 years? It's a great question and I'll tell you why. I regard my talk show as my laboratory of humanity. I truly believe, and I'm totally prepared to be wrong, but I, I believe that I have spoken with more people than any living human being. Not two more people. Clearly, in one address, the Pope speaks to more people than I ever have. But I have talked with more people than probably anyone, because for 40 years I've been doing a talk show. And 
I don't only talk politics, just like this last 10 years has been devoted to commentaries on books of the Bible. I care about almost every subject. I have a male-female hour every week, a happiness hour. I have a book on happiness. So I bounce ideas off people, and I learn what people think, and I test out ideas. So 40 years has given me the ability to speak to men and women of every faith, of every nationality, ethnicity, race, background, culture. And Mr. Speaker, it is impossible to overstate how much I have learned from them. I'll give you one example since we have a little time here. I have learned a lot from my listeners. And that sounds sort of like a sweet line. So I'll tell you how I relate to it. One of my dearest friends is a psychiatrist. And he constantly speaks to me and my wife and others at our weekly lunch about how much he has learned from patients. And you don't normally think that way, that the psychiatrist is learning from the patient rather than vice versa. And I now take him completely seriously. So here's a great one. On one of my happiness hours, I raise the subject of can you be happier than your least happy child? It is a common phrase, you can't be happier than your least happy child. I am completely opposed to that idea. I do not believe children should hold your happiness hostage. And I am adamant about that. You live your life. You do not allow your child to ruin it. Woman called me up. Southern accent is all I remember. This is about 10 years ago. I said, Dennis, I have a miserable daughter in her 30s. Just constantly miserable. And you know what, Dennis? One day I decided as follows. I didn't break her. I can't fix her. And I have cited that line all over the country in speeches on happiness, on children, and so on. That's a great example of what I have learned from a listener. So I'm curious, in the 40 years you've been listening, how has the country changed? Well, that's a depressing question because it's changed almost only for the worse. Well, this is not really a reflection of what I've learned on the radio show. It's a reflection of America. The greatest freedom of all, freedom of speech, has never been threatened, never been seriously threatened in American history. It is now. It is not possible to overstate how frightening that is. We have people, and I've never talked like this in my life, but we have people in the Democratic Party who would have fit in in a fascist or communist regime perfectly, perfectly, in their belief that you suppress dissent. This is one of the new ways. I'll tell you another way. This is actually from my late father. I used to have him on every July 18th on his birthday. He was a very articulate man. He was an accountant, but very articulate. So I would ask him exactly what you asked me. Dad, so how has the country changed since you grew up? He was born in 1918. And every time I asked it, he had the same answer, and it's fascinating. He said, Dennis... The biggest change is that in today's America, the children run the house, not the parents. He was right. He was right. I have a very big analysis of the fifth commandment in the Deuteronomy book that just came out because the Ten Commandments are twice in the Torah, the Torah of the first five books, in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Moses recounts them. God gives them in Exodus. Moses recites them 
in Deuteronomy with two interesting little changes, but they're the same commandments, of course. So I explain the commandments and how everything is basically rooted in honor your father and mother. That is the beginning of your understanding that there is a moral hierarchy in life. The parent is above the child, God is above the parent. If the parent is not above the child, you could say bye-bye to God being above anybody. So you think the whole breakdown of a sense of hierarchy. That's exactly right. Look at how police are regarded with contempt. You can curse and spit and do anything you want because you don't fear them. It's interesting in that regard. We're told to fear God and to fear our parents. People hate the idea that the Bible would say, fear your mother and father. And by the way, it puts the mother first with fear. It puts the father first with honor. It's so profound. I believe God is the ultimate author because it's just so profound. That's an example of a little profundity. You're more likely to fear your father. So mother is put first with regard to fear. So again, my radio show. Years ago, I said, call me up. Let's devote the hour to this subject. Why didn't you take drugs when you were in high school? And virtually every single person calling up said, I didn't take drugs in high school because my mother would have killed me. They feared their mother. Fascinating. But now, in your recent column, you talk about liberty, which you call the most important conservative value. How does liberty relate back to your sense of hierarchy? It's fascinating, isn't it? Because you would think that liberty, if you think about it just for a second, you think, oh, I'm free. Why would there be any hierarchy? I don't need authority. Well, the founders understood that God and liberty were tied together. This was the great genius of the founders. They tied religion and liberty together. On the liberty bell, only one thing is inscribed other than the company that made the bell. And it's a verse, again, from the Torah, from Leviticus. You shall proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all its inhabitants. God wants us to be free, which is a perfect read of biblical theology, in my opinion. God wants us to be free, but you can't have anarchy. The more obedient the individual is to God, the less you need the state. There's an inverse relationship between the size of God and the size of the state, except, of course, in a theocracy like Iran, but that's different, and of course, that's not a Judeo-Christian. But again, the bigger the state, the smaller the God, the bigger the God, the smaller the state. That is why the left hates Christianity. And I'm a Jew saying this. They hate Christianity because it is a rival authority to their state authority. And they're right. It's one or the other. Either people will feel that they have to answer to God, or answer to man, and the left wants you to answer to man. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hi, this is Newt. We have serious decisions to make about the future of our country. Americans must confront big government socialism, which has taken over the modern Democratic Party, big business, news media, entertainment, and academia. My new best-selling book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future, offers strategies and insights for everyday citizens to save America's future and ensure it remains the greatest nation on earth. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. You can order an autographed copy of my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, right now at Gingrich360.com slash book, and we'll ship it directly to you. Don't miss out on this special offer. It's only available for a limited time. Go to Gingrich360.com slash book to order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com slash book. We happened to be talking just a day or two after Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party and really had, in a sense, a cultural critique of why she left. That's exactly right. Every one of the cultural critiques was right on. What we call woke, which is boards on the, not boards on, I actually think crosses the line over to pathology. The attack on children's innocence. I wrote a piece, which I never thought I'd write, like so many other things that I've come to write or say in the recent past, that women are disproportionately hurting this country. And my data are very simple. 92% of kindergarten teachers are female, and 75% of all teachers are female. 
and the ruining of kids is happening in elementary schools and high schools. The women, I always associated with women, this is the still hard for me to digest, I've always associated with women as instinctively protecting the innocence of children, and they are in the vanguard of robbing children of their innocence. They're the ones bringing kids to drag queen story hours, as an example. They're the ones who are telling them they're not boys and girls. They'll decide whether they're a boy or a girl or neither. Non-binary is their term. She mentioned this, Tulsi Gabbard, and it is truly a sign of our pathologic times that you teach kids that they'll choose. The American Medical Association says that. The American Medical Association, which has been completely corrupted by the left, because my motto, the left ruins everything it touches. There's no exception. They've ruined the American Medical Association. They're ruining American medicine. The AMA announced two years ago they're opposed to listing the sex of a child when it's born. The American Medical Association. I've concluded the Democratic Party is breaking into two wings. One is weird and the other is insane. That's a happy thought. <laughs> that it's actually not a political problem. This is not about ideology. It's a mental health problem. These are people who are literally out of touch with how the world works. That's right. Well, if you're in touch with the way the world works, you're not a leftist. You could be a liberal. You could be a conservative. You cannot be a leftist. Leftism, I read this about 30 years ago. I don't remember the writer. It kills me. It was a woman. That's all I remember. She said, the left reject the les faits de la vie she wrote that line in french the facts of life that's exactly right like male female difference they reject it it's a fact of life but if it's uncomfortable they reject it well and in a sense that's sort of the narrative of the old testament is the continuing struggle between god and the people of god on the one hand and paganism on the other hand well that's right we are not in a post Judeo-Christian or post-biblical age, we're in a pre-biblical age. That's exactly right. We have reverted to pagan beliefs. For example, the belief in Mother Earth. This is a pre-Christian, pre-Jewish belief, and they do believe that. There is no basic biblical principle, hardly any, that they affirm. So in that sense, your books are, in a way, a radical repudiation of the dominant ethos of our time. That is exactly right, but I don't write it in a political way, but you're absolutely right. The words left and right don't appear, or Democrat or Republican, or anything like that. This is written in the hope that people will read it a hundred years from now, but there's no question. Look, the Torah is a refutation of the contemporary era, not Dennis Prager. I'll give you an example from Deuteronomy. By the way, Deuteronomy, this blew my mind. I wish I knew it when I wrote it, and it just came out, but I learned it just a month ago. An American university historian did an analysis of what books were cited the most by the founders, secular or religious. Number two was Montesquieu, the French Enlightenment thinker. Number one was Deuteronomy. And here's another one. Jesus cites Deuteronomy the most, except for Psalms. That's the book he cites the most in the New Testament. This is a mind-boggling book, but I'll give you an example. You asked about refutation of the contemporary ethos. So there's a law, very simple. See, people 
when they read it, their eyes glaze over. They don't realize what a revolution that one verse is. You shall not favor the poor in judgment. You cannot favor the rich or the poor. Not favoring either is justice. Favoring the poor is social justice. Social justice is the opposite of justice. That's the reason they add an adjective called social. Social justice has nothing to do with justice. Social justice, you favor the poor man. If Bill Gates is in the courtroom and a poor homeless guy, and you give the poor homeless guy the money because he's poor and homeless and Gates is a multi-billionaire, then you have performed social justice, but you have committed an injustice. And the Bible is preoccupied with justice, not social justice. Talk to me a little bit about the origins of Deuteronomy, the context in which it emerges. It's the only book that it says Moses himself wrote, and Deuteronomy is Greek for second law, Deutero and nomos, nomos is law. It is his repetition. It has more laws than any other book of the Torah. There are 613 laws in the Torah. 240 appear in Deuteronomy alone. I try to explain every one. As you noted, I know biblical Hebrew, thank God, very well. And so that's a big help, needless to say. But I explained them. Some seem very obscure. And that is what Moses is doing. Here is how you have to live, O Israel. And from my perspective, O mankind. And that is his summary of it. So is it your assumption he wrote this late in his life? Yes, I think there's no question. That's correct. And so people ask, well, how did he write that he died? Well, I don't find that particularly troubling. Maybe Joshua wrote it, and maybe he knew he would die, and he wrote what God told him to say. The things that trouble people who reject the Bible, I don't find them particularly deep. I mean, in a sense, it puts Moses in the prophetic tradition, although we normally think of him as a man of action. That's right. And even military leader. Yeah. You're entirely right. Actually, he is considered, certainly in the Jewish tradition, the greatest of the prophets. It even says in the Bible, no one spoke to God face to face. It's a euphemism, of course, as did Moses. So in that context, he's trying to communicate to us the essence of the way in which God wants us to live. That's exactly correct. But that then directly challenges and threatens, whether it's the French Revolution or the Nazis, Leninism, or the modern American left, because it creates a frame of reference in which humans are limited by their subordination to God. Well, we're freed, actually, by our subordination to God. That's why I said earlier the founders got it right. They understood that the freest person is the person who is not controlled by other men. If you're controlled by a morally demanding God, you will be a free human being and you will have a free society. Otherwise, you will be controlled by the state. And if people didn't see that in the last three years, they are willfully blind. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. I was fascinated. I happened the other night to watch a movie called Mr. Jones, which is about the Welsh reporter who ended up going to Ukraine in 1932 and discovering the Holocaust of Ukrainians. I think it's called the Holocon. Holodomor. Holodomor, in which at least three million people starved, literally starved to death. Probably five million. Yeah, and oh, by the way, not just starved to death, forgive me, deliberately starved to death. That's very important. The movie starts with him trying to figure out where Stalin is getting the money to industrialize because he doesn't have the cash. And it turns out basically he is stealing the food from Ukraine. And whether that was an ideological desire to destroy the kulaks who were the middle class farmers or an anti-Ukrainian independence effort or just he needed the money and he didn't care what the human cost was. But the movie has two fascinating components. One was the comparison with the New York Times reporter who'd won a Pulitzer Prize for explicitly lying about Stalin. Walter Durante. And Durante is portrayed as about as disgusting and despicable a person. This is not a film the New York Times would be happy with if they paid any attention to it. And of course, they never gave back the Pulitzer Prize, even though it's quite clear that Durante, when you talk about fake news, that he was one of the people who led the New York Times in totally deceiving the West. But Jones is actually talking with George Orwell about what he's experiencing. The movie actually starts with Orwell typing in an old manual typewriter, the beginning of Animal Farm, which he does in 1946, I think. But this whole notion of trying to communicate through 1984 and through Animal Farm, the nature of a totalitarian system, 
the depth to which it inherently involves a lie. And then contrasting that with the degree to which Moses is trying to take us to a world in which you seek the truth and you obey the truth, as opposed to seeking a lie and obeying the lie. And I just thought it sort of fit perfectly with what you're writing about and your description of the challenge we have in dealing with people on the left who have repudiated God. That's what it comes to. When people ask me, so is there a theme to your 40 years of broadcasting? I always have said there's one overarching theme to all my broadcasting, and that is the deleterious consequences of secularism. The arrogance and stupidity of people to think that they could shatter the roots of Western civilization and still keep that civilization. It's an act of hubris that transcends normal arrogance. I will destroy the soil that nurtured these gorgeous trees, and I'll still have gorgeous trees. How arrogant can you get? But that is what the left believes. All these bases, the Judeo-Christian and the combination with the terrific American, what I call the Trinity, e pluribus unum, liberty and God we trust, found on every coin, made the best society for the most people ever created. And they think you could shatter those foundations and nothing will happen. It's so stupid, only an intellectual could believe it. Well, and I think that's the difference in a point you make, the difference between being smart and being wise. Mm-hmm. That there are a lot of people at Harvard and Yale and Princeton and elsewhere who are amazingly smart, but they have no wisdom. Well, you hit another sensitive point in my life. About 20 years ago, I wrote a piece. People could see it on the Internet, How I Found God at Columbia. I was a graduate student at Columbia in the 70s at the School of International Affairs, specifically the Russian and Middle East Institutes. I studied communism and the Middle East separately. So I learned Russian. I went to the Soviet Union and communist countries a number of times. One day, walking around Colombia, I was mystified at all these intelligent people teaching me nonsense, like men and women are basically the same. And the only time in my life I ever had an epiphany, I never had a theophany, God has never appeared to me, but I had an epiphany once, meaning that out of nowhere, that this biblical phrase came into my brain. I last said it in first grade at yeshiva, which is a very religious Jewish school, half the day in Hebrew, half the day in English. And it was, uh, literally, I'd last said it in first grade, because we said it every day in the morning. Wisdom begins with the fear of God from the Bible. And that was it. It opened up my mind to everything. I realized there's no wisdom at Columbia because there's no God at Columbia. How rapidly or how decisively did that change your life? Oh, completely. That's when I realized that the great problem is secularism. Not secular government, secular society, secular individuals. We won't survive. And here is the key. People, because they're foolish and they're not wise, they think that goodness comes from good intentions. That's nonsense. The amount of evil that comes from good intentions is much greater than the amount of evil that comes from bad intentions. Most people supported communism 
certainly outside of communist countries, because they had good intentions. The most genocidal idea in human history. To each according to his needs, from each according to his ability. I mean, all this nice-sounding stuff. So I realized very early on that you don't get good from good intentions, you get it from wisdom. And there is no wisdom at our universities or our high schools or our elementary schools. I wrote a piece, I'm honored that you read my recent column, so you know I write a column every week and I have for 20 years. So I had a column recently that I believe I am certain I had more wisdom, and so did all my classmates at Yeshiva when we were 12, than virtually all the professors at Princeton, Yale, at Stanford. And the reason is we were taught wisdom. We were taught biblical wisdom. Secular schools don't teach wisdom. You have to learn wisdom just like you have to learn physics. You don't get wise just because you get older. We all know how many old fools there are. So it's nonsense. Some people get wiser, but you can teach wisdom. And I was taught wisdom as kids in Christian schools, serious Christian schools, not nominal, and serious Jewish schools, not just schools for Jews. They teach you wisdom, and that is the only vehicle to a good world. So in that context, as you're doing this book on Deuteronomy, in many ways it centers around God, but it also centers around Moses. In the modern world, what do you think we should be learning from Moses? Moses is a very complex character. Moses had, a, I think, a love-hate relationship with the Israelites. And I now have a love-hate relationship with my fellow Americans. It was almost all love for all of my life. But half this country has lost its American mind its rational mind, and it's very scary. It is truly scary. The support for the freedom of speech, 45% of young Americans, I'll get back to Moses, but I'm just noting, 45% of young Americans believe in free speech, but not for hate speech. So they don't even realize that what they just said makes no sense. Then you don't believe in free speech. <laughs> you can't say, I believe in free speech except for hate speech. Free speech must include hate speech, or it's not free speech. Anyway, who determines what's hate speech? If I say six-year-olds shouldn't determine their sex or their gender, that's called hate speech. I think it's hate speech if you say that girls should be allowed to cut their breasts off when they're 18 years of age. They can't smoke a cigarette, but they could cut their breasts off. I think that's hate speech, but I'm not for denying you the right to have it. I'm for free speech. Moses had a love-hate relationship with the Israelites. They constantly complained, and he was disgusted with them. By the time of Deuteronomy, I don't play this up a lot. I don't ignore anything, but it's clear he has reached sort of the end of his rope with, with regard to the Israelites. However, having said that, God makes him an offer a few times. Listen, I'm disgusted with them too. They complain so much. After all I've done for them, why don't I wipe them out and start a new nation through you? And he begs God not to. Forgive these people, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. So he's a leader who does not romanticize the people he leads, but who nevertheless is deeply committed to them.
there are cycles here where he kind of gets them going in the right direction and then they backslide. And then he kind of gets them going in the right direction and they backslide. Is that just the human condition? That's part of the reason for the eternality of the Torah, in my opinion, and the Bible generally. People think it's dated because it's from 3,000 years ago. They don't understand. Its insights are rooted in the human condition. The human condition doesn't change. Human nature is the same today as it was 3,000 years ago. So if it was relevant then, it's relevant today. Human nature hasn't changed. That is exactly what you said. It's the human condition. And by the way, there are spectacular lessons from this. That's the reason I'm writing the Rational Bible series. There are huge lessons. One lesson is miracles don't make you faithful. People think, oh, if only God did X or Y or Z, some wild miracle, oh, then I would believe in him. It's not true. They saw more miracles than any human beings have ever seen. It made no effect on their faith. They built a golden calf a few months after leaving Egypt. The smiting of the firstborn, ten miraculous plagues, the splitting of the sea, the drowning of the Egyptian army, and they build a golden calf. <laughs> That's why my faith is stronger than people who rely on miracles. My faith is reason-based. I come to God through reason. So miracles haven't made it, and the lack of miracles won't shake it. That's why I call it the Rational Bible. I only use reason to explain the text. So in that sense, you are explicitly not part of a mystical approach to this. When God gave out mystical instincts, I was in another line. <laughs> That's a great line. Dennis, I want to thank you for joining me. I always find I learn so much from talking with you. Your new book, The Rational Bible, Deuteronomy, is essential reading for those who may have lost their connection to the Bible and to God. And I think the Rational Bible series is helpful both to re-engage people with the Bible and its teachings and, frankly, to help save us from the secular onslaught against our civilization. So I want to thank you for joining me in Newt's World and sharing this with all of us. I'm honored. Thank you to my guest, Dennis Prager. You can get a link to buy his new book, The Rational Bible Deuteronomy, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.